1: chase thomas pod the chase thomas podcast um, <laughs> my nephew needs me to record see i
0: hate i already hate it i hate
1: it all right on the line right now on the chase thomas podcast my fellow gilmore guy we both love gilmore girls we also love nba basketball scott rafferty is here it's been a little bit been his biggest gap since i think uh we started recording got on the podcast but he is here he's a busy man he's in demand because he's really good at his job and uh scott i appreciate you making the time tonight
0: thanks man i appreciate all that and um yeah man give more girls for life that's that's, that's the best show
1: you know what i i think I've, it was with another podcast the other day where i accidentally revealed that i all like growing up i've always seen myself as a Jess. But I've always been a Logan at heart, and just interesting a Logan. I think. Isn't that weird?
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I um, I don't know what to say about that. Um, what are you? Who do you see yourself as?
0: Wow, well, this is when do I. I uh, Dean or
1: we're gonna have to end the we're gonna have to end the podcast if it's Dean.
0: Uh, see now I'm gonna have what to your up? wife say? Do you already go ask that? Mm-hmm. this might be the best thing to do because I'm blanking on names right now and she might ask be the best thing to ask so if you give me a second.
1: I, I would love for her to give like a quick honest answer where it's just kind of crazy how quick she just says like Jess or Dean or whoever like she's known for a long time what right. the actual answer is here.
0: Alright here we go what character am I from the Gilmore Girls? She said Luke that was quick did you see how quick that was? Yeah she didn't She didn't hesitate what did you say? Let me show. Oh, Michelle, but I'm not sure about that one. I think I'm more of a Luke.
1: I don't know about that one. Luke feels right. I like it. That's good. Luke's great. Yeah, she didn't hesitate. She she knew. That's interesting. Can you tell her about what I thought about I, I, seeing myself as Jess and actually being a Logan and whether or not that's the saddest thing ever?
0: So he says he sees himself more as a Jess, Jess but he feels like he's more of a Logan. How do you feel about that? About. she says she has mixed feelings about logan
1: isn't that weird because i never like logan but yeah. i think deep down i might be a logan i think it's just the i i, I don't know i need to do some
0: you need to do to some, you need to do some of
1: this you need to do some important research about this i think it's the most important thing of the week right now I'm it is drop everything that i'm doing to do some uh so some more self-analyzation there you it's, go obviously required for someone who sees themselves as a jest, but it's deep down a Logan. Um, But anyway, that's the end of the this week's Gilmore Guys <laughs> conversation. But thank you to uh Scott's wife for chiming in here and making her first appearance on the podcast. So that's cool. She loved it. Um, and then maybe later we'll get your cats on. So we'll find a way to figure out if we can get them on but anyway um we're gonna talk about a variety of nba things tonight and one of the things that um happened a couple days ago and i cannot get over how interesting this organization is at the moment and that was not the case for the last like five years with stan van gundy and jeff bauer running things but the detroit pistons hired dwayne casey he got a five-year 35 million dollar deal and it's a weird organizational structure Because they brought in Ed Stefanski, um, who's been basically an executive in, I think, every NBA front office at this point. Um, I remember him in Philadelphia in the early 2000s. I think he just came from Memphis, um, and he was in that group with Hollinger and um, Chris Wallace. But uh, he is their senior advisor. He's working with Arn Tellem, who still is a high-ranking position in this front office. It's a weird title. I think he is vice chair. Yeah, so I don't know what that actually means in terms of this organizational structure, but um it's it's interesting because it seems like he is going to be the main executive and this was his guy, Gores is obviously involved, but it does feel like they're not actually going to hire a GM who's going to run things. So, the people who are kind of nervous about Dwayne Casey taking another head coaching job um with a team that uh is not going to necessarily bring in a GM who's going to see eye to eye with him because the guy who hired Casey in Toronto was not there long until they replaced him. And Masai, he was never a guy, but he got um, years and years because he won. And he made it work in the post-Rudy Gay world, but uh, it's a risk on his part. But Then again, he got a five-year deal, $35 million, and getting an NBA head coaching job is difficult. And if he didn't take that, he probably would have had to sit out a year um, if he was not going to take an assistant role, and he shouldn't at this point. He's going to win coach of the year, and that would have been a really weird look if he took an assistant job at this point. But um, he's 61. He's obviously a great defensive mind, but uh, it's um, it feels right. He does feel like a Detroit Pistons coach. It feels kind of like Larry Brown to me in a way. But um, what do you make of Casey, and what do you make of the Stefanski situation and whether or not they're going to hire a GM. And like, is this a good, prudent move from Casey? Like, I, I just have a lot of questions. I think it's all very fascinating.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about the, the GM stuff. Cause that gets into the whole, I, I, I'm just not, I don't know. Teams are tricky in that regard because there are so many moving pieces and so many different positions that you don't really quite know exactly what's going on. So I kind of struggle with those things usually. Um, and the Piston thing is, you know, very weird as you as you've made very clear um as far as casey though the, the situation is pretty interesting thing because i think when they traded for blake griffin last year that kind of raised expectations because then it's like okay we've got to make a playoff push right now because you have blake griffin andre drummond um and obviously those you know seriously moved to that to get the superstar on there and try and, and get more people into the building and things like that um but the goal for this team has to make the playoffs, and that's all the moves that they've made if they get towards that but i think based on how the end of last season went um it's lowered expectations considerably and i think that benefits casey because while you know this year didn't go as planned at least in the playoffs with the raptors and everything like that he does have a very good track record as you said, he said he is the favorite swing coach of the year this year um and you know some of that goes to nick nurse who um has been credited with, with revamping the raptors offense which was such a instrumental step for them in kind of building a a, a title contender the season things like that um but all the history goes to show that like casey's a very good coach um so i think for him with all those things considered you know he's walking into a situation where they the pistons do have they're not a very low they're not very deep team but they have you know the very top heavy with blake griffin Andre drummond and reggie uh, reggie jackson who hasn't really um been the player that we all expect him to be but he's shown flashes and things like that so i think he has enough to work with i think the expectations have been lowered and i think also you know he's locked in quite a lot of money to be the head coach of the pistons um so all in all i think it's actually a pretty smart move by him um but you know we'll see what the pistons are, are, are going to be able to do because there's not too much to uh too much that was promising at the end of the last season
1: do you think there was a better option for the pistons were you intrigued at all by the john B line? higher there um i don't i'm not a college basketball expert but i will say um it did seem kind of fascinating that they were that serious because i think he was one of the final two right and then he removed his name so then they were down to casey and like casey had said no and casey had all the leverage in the world because they were down to just him and he was it seems like he leveraged that into a five-year pretty big contract but um yeah i i do wonder um how that would have worked with Beeline making the jump to the Pistons. It felt like that would be an easy PR win, right? Like, I feel like the fan base um, would love something like that. Even if it didn't work, it would just be different. Um, And, you know, you never know how these college coaches are going to translate to the NBA. Maybe it would have been a Brad Stevens, probably not, but, you know, it would have been fun. He does seem like he plays a NBA-style offense, even though I think he does play a 1-3-1 zone defense, so that would have been weird. Um, moving into the NBA, but uh, yeah, I thought that was fascinating that he was that serious for
0: the job. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things about that though too is that the, the Pistons, even though they aren't, they haven't been that great in recent years and everything like that. Um, they are quite. They, they've got a lot of veterans on their team. They're, they're, they've got like an older core. Like Jones is still a young dude, but he's been in the NBA for a few years and he's kind of an established player. Um, Blake Griffin, obviously, he's been around for a while. Same thing with Reggie Jackson. Like um, all these guys have kind of been around long enough where I think you probably do go with a more established coach in that, in that um, to try and get this team to take the next step. Um, And then if you're going to hire a college coach, like we saw with Brad Stevens, um, you know, when he first came to the Celtics, that was a young team and there weren't many expectations and he kind of built it from the ground up. Um, And I think probably a reason that those guys do it is because they're all lower expectations. Um, You know, Fred Hoidberg is another example, although he's different because, um, the Bulls kind of threw Dwayne Wade and Jimmy Ball and Rajon Rondo together last year, um, but now he's mm-hmm. in a situation that's kind of better suited for that because you know th- they have younger pieces, the expectations are low, lower, they're rebuilding, um, so it probably is the right decision to go with Casey, who's you know been around for a while.
1: Does this seem to indicate for you that this organization has learned from their mistakes in the Stan Van Gundy era and that they're actually going to build a real front office and? Um, they got a coach that um, has won now. That it looks like he's not going to have major say in the personnel, but it does seem, at least right now, that he does have a lot of power. But does this move for you indicate that this franchise is making positive strides, um, moving on from the Van Gundy era?
0: Well, I think it's a, I, I I do like the the Casey signing in general. Um, my only right. thing with that is that I think. Like there's still just so much to be determined for the Pistons. Like they, they just, there's still quite of a, like a mess of a team, and I think there's still so much to be worked out. Um, so you know how they approach free agency and things like that. Like I think that will give us a better indication of kind of where they're where they're trending and things like that. But I mean, I think it's a good start.
1: So another thing with this team, I kind of touched on this earlier, is they, by all accounts, there was a report from the Detroit Free Press about how they're going to handle finding a GM because the first thought from NBA fans and writers and everybody was, Oh no, they hired Casey before they hired the GM, but it seems like Stefanski is going to be there for a while and tell him still in place. And they're going to, I, a long-term younger successor who can mold, they, they can mold into a future GM role. So he'll be like an assistant GM or he may have the GM title, but he won't actually have, um, Full control, and they want to ease somebody in. It kind of reminds me of what the Cavs have done with the conveyor belt of assistant GM to GM situation that they've had with Griffin, Grant, mm-hmm. um, and now Altman. It seems like that's where they're headed. But um, Trajan Langdon, who is the Nets' assistant GM, it looks like the favorite for that role. He's super young. Um, he's been in a couple high-profile organizations. Um, also mentioned in this article, Brent Barry. Tayshawn Prince, who I did not know was the special assistant to Chris Wallace in Memphis now. so Yeah, I didn't in know that offices. either. Isn't that crazy? Like, I that was just an under-the-radar thing that I made a note of. And then I was thinking, you know, with all this said, like, doesn't Chauncey Bilps make sense here? Where he can get it? Like, the Cleveland stuff would have been a lot for him, and he rightfully turned it down because, as we saw this year, like, that just seems like a very bad job. And if LeBron leaves this summer... Just, I mean, read Zach Lowe's piece on the future of Cleveland basketball and what's going to go on there and how much it, it just it's based on the Anthony Bennett mess up and everything else. But um, it does feel like Chauncey would make a lot of sense. It's like the guy to actually make the jump because um, obviously he's a legend there and he can work with Stavansky and work with this group and kind of get a feel for how to be an NBA GM over the next couple of years until Stevansky leaves and he can just run this team the way he wants to and it seems like him and casey would uh be a good fit i i don't know maybe that's just me but um it is interesting that it looks like they're gonna go and take a chance on some younger name that they can mold and um get on the same page with casey long term
0: yeah i I always like to win like old guys i mentioned in in these jobs and things like that just like, at this rate, we might as well just sort of, like, chunky build for Hamilton, like, bring the whole team back and just put it in the front office, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let's see if right. they can kind of... And the, and the thing is, the funny thing is, like, this this Pistons team is kind of built to be... to kind of contend more in that era than it is right now. Like, they're kind of a throwback, like, run it down the post, big guys, grind it out kind of team. Um, so it has mm-hmm. to be kind of funny if they held it. But, uh, yeah... Get it, the
1: gang it, back together, man.
0: Exactly, man. This is a good chance to do it. Um and you know Tayshon Prince is apparently doing his thing in the front office, so he you know he's qualified. So uh yeah, just bring him back.
1: <laughs> Why not? Can they fix this roster this summer though? Like what do they even do? Like Casey's walking into kind of a similar situation that he did in Toronto where a lot of money was dealt out to guys that were on um pretty onerous contracts and they traded reggae and they were trying to tear it down and go through a full rebuild but uh things went different and they started winning a lot of games and everything looks better now can casey expect the same kind of jump or is there someone on this roster that can move that um may just free them up a little bit where you know maybe they can't contend for titles with this roster they're not going to be able to draft the superstar they traded their first round pick in the blake griffin trade this year so Casey is going to a very veteran-heavy roster that's committed a lot of money to a lot of people right now, and um, they have twelve players making one hundred thirteen million. No first-round pick, like I said, it's not a great situation, but it does seem like if they tinker with this roster slightly, that they should be a playoff team next year, right?
0: I mean, they have the stock how to do right. Like you just on paper, when you look at like Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, um, and then you throw in a couple guys who legit players in this league. Like, I, I mean, on paper, they should be able to make a playoffs. The thing is that, and it's the same old story, right? Like Blake Griffin is, it feels like he gets injured every single season. Um, his contract mm-hmm. is only getting bigger and he's on the contract until 2021, uh, 22. Reggie Jackson has been dealing with injuries and he was really good a couple years ago, but he's kind of never got back to that level. Um, and Andre Drummond took a nice step forward this season, but I, I think him and Blake Griffin have the potential to kind of play off of each other in similar ways that, um blake and uh, deandre did in, in la um but drummond is a very different play and one of the reasons that he was so good this season and he improved is because they ran a lot of their offense through him um mm-hmm. and you know by putting him on the floor at the same time as blake um blake is going to have more of those opportunities because he's a better playmaker than drummond um and i just think there's still so much to be worked out and, and you know i think casey can let some of those things out um but it's, it's hard to see how this team is going to improve significantly because they don't have the cap space to, to um, be aggressive in free agency and things like that. Um, and I think the trade value of a lot of their best assets um, have kind of devalued in recent years. You know, you look at Reggie Jackson, he's making 17 million next season um, guys like Stanley Johnson, John Stan- we making 10 million. <laughs> yeah. And, but even like Stanley Johnson, like I've always been a big fan of Stanley right. Johnson, but he's one of these guys who um, again, you can kind of talk yourself into his potential and everything. Um, but this is, what, year, year three or four of him. Um, and he kind of hasn't broken out in the way that everyone expected him to. Um, so what kind of value are you going to get in return for him? Um, so it's, it's just one of those things. Like I think they're probably locked into this roster or, or this core until someone can kind of break out and prove themselves. Um, and Maybe that sends into a trade ship close to the deadline or something like that. Um, but I think for now, like this team is pretty much who they are, and they're going to kind of have to try and maximize the value they already have.
1: And I think they move one of the big three that we touched on. Jackson, Drummond, Blake. Now, I don't think it's going to be Blake. I think you have to commit to building around Blake at this point. You gave up a lot to get him. He's locked in for years. He's still a great player when he's healthy, obviously. So I've loved Blake for a long time, but he's just someone you have to just commit to. Like, he's part of the long-term plan now. Like, you're not trading that contract. But what I do think you can trade is Drummond. So I think if I was the Pistons front office, it would hurt to do this. But with the just disastrous cap situation that they have, I think he would bring in the most and losing that first round pick this year really hurts with them missing the playoffs. And um, I would, I would sell high on Drummond because he had a really good year, like you said. I mean, he was passing out the post. He's added that to his game. He can dribble, it seems like, a little bit now, which is better than what he used to be. The free throws are slightly improving, like you can see it still. And I wonder if there is a team out there that would like you call the Mavericks or you call a team that's kind of getting antsy about where they are in the league. And you kind of free up a little bit where you just mix and match this roster similar to the Raptors where um, you're not going to do a full teardown, but you do like, you don't run what they had back last year. You don't run back Stanley, Reggie Bullock, um, Anthony Tolliver, Andre Drummond, Blake, Jackson, Smith, like all that, you you just can't do that. But I do think you don't have to do a full teardown. And also they just can't do that. So one of these guys has to go, but it seems like Jackson's just who wants Reggie Jackson at this point, especially at that price. And then Blake, we just talked about. And then, you know, it really comes down to like Stanley because he's making peanuts this year. And I think he'll be at RFA after next year. So his contract's probably pretty movable. And I'm sure there's a team out there that would talk themselves into him. But uh, it's really him and Drummond. So I think I would move the both of them and see what you can do. But it does seem like Reggie Jackson and Drummond are really tight. So maybe that would cause some more disconnect. But I don't know. I think you have to do something. And I think the best option is trade Drummond.
0: The thing is, though, like, I agree that Drummond's trade value is probably the highest, especially when you consider they just acquired Blake Griffin and they go to put something into him. And they, it's far too soon to give up on it. Um, and Drummond is legit. Like, he, he's a two time all star. He's a legit. Starting sense for the nba my question though is like which team would you like could you see him being of? like which team is going to put a trade package together to acquire him because you can say the mavericks um but the other thing is they have the number five pick in the draft they could be in positions like like mo bomba and if they don't do that they have enough money free agency to try and sign like demarcus cousins or deandre jordan again um things like that like I, i'm i'm they, like they have enough avenues without having to give up any pieces on their team to acquire a sensor. Um, who may be as good as Drummond right now, if not better, or could be better than him in the future. Um, so it's just, it's it's one of those situations that, like the NBA right now, um, there's been such a movement towards wings and guards and kind of guys who can dribble and everything like that that the old school center has kind of fizzled um, away and things like that. And again, guys like Drummond do have value, especially when he's improved his game so much um, last season by being more passionate and everything like that. That's been huge for him. Um, but I just don't know how big the market the, the is for a guy like him right now, um, even given his age and his resume and everything like that. Um, so I, I just I think I mean,
1: Orlando I just, could be a possibility, right? Like they have a bunch of bad contracts and they are just really need a star. They've just had a terrible five year run post Dwight. Maybe you call them and see what they would offer up for someone like Drummond and maybe throw in Stanley Johnson to take Drummond's contract because he does make. 23 million this year, and his contract. I think he's still for four more years, I believe. So maybe you take back something like Vucevic or something, and then but you also get a nice, interesting young piece. You're, you're probably not going to get Jonathan Isaac, like they're going to keep him. But what if you talking about Aaron Gordon, baby Blake, and then you run next year with Blake Griffin and Aaron Gordon together on uh, the Pistons because I think he's an RFA, so maybe they match, or I don't know. I, I'm not going to get in the minutiae there, but I will say, I think Drummond is still a really good player and I would like to see him on a different team and and part of it is just I want to see Blake at the five full-time and I think that's where he should be at this point in his career and it would open up a lot more for this Pistons team and like just play him with like Galloway and um, Luke Kennard and Reggie Bullock and just surround him with shooters and see what that does but um, I don't know if Dwayne Casey actually wants to Go super small with Blake at the five like that full time, but I, I I don't know. I feel like there are teams out there that would give up something interesting for Drummond. Maybe call the Knicks <laughs> and they're and you talk yeah. them into uh, Drummond and Porzingis for the future, and you get back like Courtney Lee and I don't know. Yeah, I, they really maybe. Really have the, I I don't know. I, I just feel like you have to do something, not major, but you have to tweak this team. This is a tweaking off season for them.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they're gonna just because they didn't have that much time to kind of play together last season um after the deadline. It's, it's it's similar to like the cousin situation the year before with the Pelicans. um He only played in like 15, 20 games after the trade deadline, and they can never kind of piece it together. Um, and then the next season, they kind of started to put it together. So I wonder if they're gonna at least start next season with you know that call still intact, and then kind of evaluate it and see how it goes, and then maybe at the trade deadline, maybe that's maybe that's when they make a move. Um, the only problem is the longer you leave it, obviously. I mean, Blake's not getting any younger um given his injury history and everything like that so the longer you delay it um the more they probably just kind of stay in this mediocre zone and i mean it's tricky this is just one of those teams they've got a lot of money tied up in in uh in a call that's not really you know getting it done and and it's it's i mean it's tough
1: the year is 2021 is dwayne casey still the head coach of the detroit pistons
0: Um, oh man, fuck No,
1: but the thing I is, like, this is going to go really bad. I hope it doesn't because I do really feel bad for this guy, but man, this feels like just something that is not going to work out and it's not going to be his fault because he's just inheriting a really just mercurial, complicated, depressing situation in Detroit. And I, I don't know, I, yeah. I don't feel great.
0: Yeah, no, that's what that's why kind of where I was gonna go like i I think if he's not on the team at that point I don't know if it's gonna be a full reflection on him um it might be more that like he inherited hit a tough situation and like it just it hasn't worked out um you know i I think the same thing like Steve Clifford in, in Orlando it's like I think Steve Clifford's a really good coach I think he's a legit coach in the NBA um but it's one of those things that like that's a really tough roster and you've got to trust management that they're gonna surround put give him players who end of you know, can can help the team hit, take the next step and put him in a position to kind of coach the team up. Um, so, yeah, with, with Casey, I'd probably lean towards no, but it's not. I, I, I don't think that's necessarily a reflection on how he's going to coach his team.
1: Was there one piece written about Steve Clifford getting the magic job? Because I don't think there was. That yeah, just it, completely it, went under the radar. I feel like did. half of NBA fans don't even know that that actually happened. I don't think there was a press release. I think the magic actually hit it from the public and you and I are the first ones to announce it. So let's hey, go on the do. podcast. Steve Clifford is the new <laughs> Orlando Magic basketball coach. You didn't know this, but we knew this and we wanted to inform you guys because that did happen and he is no longer the coach of the Hornets. He is the head coach of the Orlando Magic. He came home back to uh Orlando where he was an assistant under S V G for like five years. Yep. So
0: yeah, uh, that that definitely did go into the radar. It's it hasn't really been talked about, but I also think that's you know that's just what the magic are right now everyone's kind of after the last season how everything went with that and the spending they did on biombo and and all that like i think it's just kind of all the talk about them they have to prove it before anyone kind of buys into what they're doing and, and gets excited again so but we'll see they i mean they have something to make the season too with with aaron gordon um it sounds like they're going to match whatever is thrown his way but um yeah that, that you have definitely. To, but
1: then if like you get thrown a good trade offer like if someone throws it does seem like he's going to get the max from somebody but the nets can't just screw another team like they did with Otto porter and the wizards and uh alan crab and that kind of thing they're kind of close to capped out at this point they actually have committed a lot of money to the damari Carrolls and all that kind of stuff so they're they're maxed out but um mm-hmm it does feel like Aaron Gordon's going to get a max offer from somebody and the magic will have to match, but I don't think that necessarily means he's returning. They might just match into a sign and trade or something like that. Um, I don't know. I'm not totally confident. He's back in Orlando next year.
0: Yeah. Again, I just, it's, it's impossible to say, say with that team and they have, yeah, I mean, good God. Beyond both I'm more making... concerned
1: about where Mario Hazonia is going because my man was finally getting a good run this year and, uh, he can be released. I, I really hope he winds up in the Warriors. That's what I want. He was built to be <laughs> a stretch four on the Golden State Warriors for the next couple of years. That's where uh, I want him. I'm at, at or Houston or something.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm writing a piece right now for had, um, on the step back that's that five free agent targets for um, for the Warriors. And I didn't mention him, but it's fun to think of like these guys who are available and what they could do in a Warriors uniform. Um, my favorite might be Wayne Ellington. Um, oh just, my God. I mean, he'd basically be Nick Young's replacement and he's two years younger and he's a much better shooter and a much more versatile shooter. younger than
1: Nick Young? Wayne
0: Ellington looks 38. I think he's 31. I think he's 31 and Nick Young's like 33. Um, oh my God. And it, I mean, if you, who knows if they're going to be able to sign a guy like that, because he's coming off a career year and he was awesome and he mm-hmm. could make a, an impact on a lot of teams. But just thinking about, putting someone who can run around screens as well as he can and, and spot up and stuff like he that only it, shoots threes. It was just, yeah. He had one of the highest three point attempts rates in the NBA this season. I think like 85% of his, his shot attempts were threes his box or something. score
1: stats are amazing. Like he would be so, yeah. like four for seven, but you look at the two and three point discrepancy and it's only threes. Like yeah. he only shoots threes. That is his job.
0: Yep. Yeah. So like that, I want to believe that Spo thing.
1: told him like, if you ever take a long two, you're gone. <laughs> <laughs> no rotation minutes. You're just out of the rotation forever. I just swear, three. if I ever see you not taking a three, you're out of here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I like it, but uh, you know what? The Warriors. Let's. Uh, <laughs> they could definitely. I think Hazonia or uh, Wayne Ellington. I think that might put them over the top. I it would.
0: Think, it would uh, be kind of unfair. Missing
1: piece. Yeah.
0: They're already um, unfair. So who? What are we talking I about? Know. Let's make them more. Unfair. I love that. That's where <laughs> we're at with the Warriors.
1: We're like, there's nothing else to say other than like, well, their bench needs to be more. Evened out. They have too many centers. Great. They just <laughs> won three of four titles. Yeah, after they
0: really just swept the NBA finals. To play. Uh, oh, they can improve.
1: I would agree, crazy. but like, I just love the amount of conversation centered on, well, they just, they were really thin at wing. McCaw got hurt and they had Javale and Zaza and they just had too many bigs. And I'm like, they still swept the finals. They yeah. just won three of four. Like, yeah, it's not the perfect roster, but guess what? They have four future Hall of Famers in their prime doesn't matter if they have too many centers it just doesn't but at the same time yeah let's let's give him his own let's give him more firepower because they're gonna win for the next couple of years anyway so let's just make it more more fun because less kevon looney and more mario Hazonia and exactly. is definitely something i'm here for exactly you know what else i'm here for what are you here for thad young declining his player option which huge gamble on his part i think Like, I guess he assumes with the kind of year he had playing stretch four and doing the little things, he can switch and all that kind of stuff. But um, it looks like he might actually do it. And you don't see that very often with veterans where they're betting on themselves, especially like role players like that, where who knows what his market's going to look like this summer because a lot of teams don't have cap space. And I don't know if a lot of teams are going to give him a three or four year deal, but it seems like he is kind of hoping that that's the case. But if that happens, the Pacers go from only $5 million in cap space this summer to $18 million. and that makes them way more fun. Like, I am 100% here for them trying out the Sabonis and Miles Turner front court at least, and you, I think, at least have to test this out. Like, I think at some point you have to see how these two play together in extended minutes, and if it doesn't work, then you have to move one of them, probably Sabonis, because I don't know why you would, eventually pay him if he cannot be one of your core five that you can have out there in critical playoff games. But um, it opens the door for them to give Victor Oladipo a real solid player to surround him with. Like you could probably get Danny Green for close to 18 million this offseason. Like you can get him someone else that will make this Pacers team even more fun and uh, open the door for Miles Turner to expand his game, Sabonis to expand his game. And uh, I don't know. I think it's just a fascinating um, really in-the-weeds NBA summer conversation that I'm going to be here for and monitor. What about you? Uh, so you know who that player is that they're going to sign with that money? Uh, I'm kind of nervous. JJ?
0: No, it's going to be Paul George. He's going back. Oh, I'm 100% here for it. It's honestly... The it's, return. It's uh, I, I think my favorite destination for Paul George would be the 76ers, like all things considered. Um, but Ooh, I, yeah. I'm legit excited about like the slight possibility that every return to the paces because that team, you run the same team back as last season. Um, uh, maybe not the exact same, cause I don't think they have the cap space to really pull it off that they would have to, um, uh, Nick, would have to opt out, but you run basically
1: like buy out Al Jefferson. They'd have yeah. to move a couple other people, but yeah,
0: you keep the same call cool together, basically, and I'd pull George that <laughs> and just run the same system and everything. And that'd be fun. Um, I don't know. I
1: mean, if- Depot, Paul George and Miles Turner is a really, really good core. It'd be awesome.
0: And hey, LeBron did it right. He left in 2010 to go yeah. to Miami and then he came back four years later. So I mean, I know this is only to I mean, a year,
1: though, but is this would just if he did that, it would be the biggest fuck you to Sam Presti and the Oklahoma City Thunder because they gave up Victor Oladipo and Sabonis to get him, and then for him to just turn around and go back to a team that just took the players like and they panned out for Indiana and then Oklahoma City goes from having those two originally, and then to Paul George, and then to having none of them.
0: It's just... (laughs) It's a pretty pretty bleak uh, uh, situation, for sure. Um, I just... It'd be fun, man. They'd be fun. They were already fun this year, and they made some noise in the playoffs, and just the idea... I mean, Paul George is one of those dudes who you can can just see him in so many different situations because of the way he plays, um, and how he doesn't really need the ball in his hands, but he's He's an excellent two way player. Um, he made the second most threes in the NBA this season behind James Harden. Um, made I mean, like half four... his shots were threes. I was looking
1: at exactly. his three point rate. I think it was almost 50% um, of his shots were threes. But I think that's also just because the Thunder used him in a way that did not fully maximize yep. what Paul George is capable of because Russell Westbrook, it turns out. Um, Still had a high usage rate, and uh, Melo still took a lot of shots, and this team still uh, did not revolve around Paul George enough. And uh, something tells me that might be part of the reason they got eliminated in the first round with the Jets, but that's neither here nor there.
0: Yeah, so um, that Paul George's agency is, uh, is going to okay. be fascinating. I like that.
1: I, I still, okay, I will say Pritchard kind of commenting on that in a weird way of him just, like, not really... And playing coy about it and pretending that he would not welcome Paul George back with open arms is um, ridiculous to me. Because if Paul George calls uh, the Pacers and says, I want to come back, um, you say yes. It doesn't matter what he did to force his way out, whatever, the unhappiness, all that kind of stuff. Um, Paul George is a top 10 NBA player. And uh, when a top 10 NBA player tells you, especially when you're in a small market like Indiana, he wants to come back and play with your budding superstar in Victor Oladipo, you say yes every time you swallow your pride and you say yes. That's what you do because talent wins and you like teams would kill to have Oladipo, Turner and George on the same roster for a couple of years. That's a great mixture. Like that's a hard thing to pull off. And it's, they complement each other in a way that I think would be really beneficial. Like you have the steel guy and high usage guy and Victor, you have Paul George, who's evolved as a shooter and can handle the wing and late game scoring and all that kind of stuff. And then you have Turner just kind of, um, playing that optimal stretch five who can also protect the rim and do everything else that you want as a modern center. Like that's what you want. So yeah, you say yes, Kevin Pritchard, you do.
0: Here's the thing though. Like I, don't get me wrong. I, I totally get why Pacers fans were upset when all that stuff happened. Like, Paul George is one of the best two-way players in the NBA. He's a perennial all-star in his prime. You want this dude on your team, and he's saying, I want out. Like, I, I get it. But at the same time, he did it. So, as he said, like, maybe he didn't handle it perfectly, but he said, he like, I'm leaving. I want, I'm going to leave in free agency, so you might as well trade me now if you get something in return. Um mm-hmm. And at the end of the we day, I a
1: depot in return. Exactly. So it worked he,
0: out. Exactly. So h- him demanding a trade and being like, look, I'm going to leave. You should, tr- you should trade for me and get something in return. Um, is basically what happened. Like it worked out pretty well for them. Um, and their future is looking better than it did that, you know, before he demanded the trade and everything like that. Um, so yeah, to your point, if, if he's like, Hey, I want to come back to Indiana. I, I I don't see any reason why they'd be like, nah, we're not going to do that. Cause it's just, it makes too much sense. And it would, it works. It's not one of those things either that, like, he wants to come back and you feel like you have to sign him because he's a big name or anything like that. Like, no, you fit perfectly with this roster, I think. Um, so it just, it just makes a ton of sense. Whether or not he, Paul George, wants to do that, I have no idea. Um, but just hypothetically speaking, I love the ideas and going back to the faces.
1: I'm going to reveal my favorite Paul George destination and just a few, but um, I will say it would be great. I have a sidebar question. You and I have watched a lot of Victor Depot this past year, mm-hmm. and you can always tell whether or not someone actually watched the Pacers, especially in the regular season, based on how they talk about this Pacers team, um, because... This was a fast-paced team. They uh, Victor Oladipo ran the floor like this was a team that struggled in uh, the half-court. They led. They were just a two-point machine, and they made their bread and butter off just being super hyper and super um, springy and just. They had a bunch of vets that just had a chip on their shoulder, like the Collinsons, the Corey Josephs, all those guys, the Boyans, everybody. That I mean, they just worked really hard and they ran the floor really well, and they were just a. They played at a really high pace, and a lot of that had to do with Victor Oladipo leading the charge. But I would like to know, though, from your perspective, do you think Victor Oladipo is somebody with the play style that he has, which is so unique, would be something appealing to another top guy like, say, Paul George? Or do you think his play style kind of um, would... Scare maybe some optimal wings that might be interested just because of his high usage and just the way he does succeed on this Pacers team.
0: I I don't think I, I don't think he would scare off people. Um, not to pick on Westbrook, but I'm going to use him as an example because he's a very good extreme. Um, Westbrook is a fantastic player. Um, he's a great passer, but he's also a very high usage player who sometimes forces shots. A lot of times forces shots and doesn't necessarily get his teammates involved as much as he probably could. Um, I don't think Victor Oladipo is more on that extreme. Um, I think a lot of what he had to do this season was by necessity because he was their best playmaker, um, and he was basically promoted into being the number one option on a team, and he did it so much better than anyone expected and then carried the Pacers to um, the playoffs and nearly a second round appearance. Um, so I think if you put someone like Paul George in, and again, this goes back to Paul George just being a guy who fitted so, so well with so many other teams, I think Paul George is better as like a number, like a one B. don't think if Paul George is your number one option on offense, I don't know if you can build a championship contender. Um, and I think he's perfect in this kind of like this role where he can, he, he can space the floor. Like, I think he was in a good role in Thunder. I think that actually fit in pretty well. Um, but if he had more, a few more opportunities or a little bit more, um, maybe it's something as simple as him completely running the second unit and things like that. Um, I think it probably would have worked better. Um, so I think in that sense, like, I think Victor Oladipo would actually be, be good for him because Victor Oladipo has proven he can kind of carry the load on offense and be the number one option. Um, but I don't think he's the kind of guy who's just going to stall an offense because um, he gets his points in, a, in, in enough different ways to kind of mix it up, um, whether it's pick and roll. He doesn't score quite as much as in isolation of the players, um, and he likes to push the pace and things like that. So I think like, that's the kind of system that more people can fit in. And I think if you did slide him in next to a number, you know, another all star or like that, I think it would work.
1: Do you think a Miles Turner, DeMontis, Sabonis front court can thrive in 2018's NBA or no?
0: I'm all for teams getting funky uh, with these things. And I think that's kind of like a, a funky front court that I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, Cousins Anthony Davis is another example. Like, that's just, weird. It's, it's not where the NBA is going. Um, and I, I honestly don't know. I really don't know because. Um, like Sabonis can shoot. He doesn't probably space the floor enough, uh, well enough to kind of be a stretch four, or stretch five, even though that's what he was last season with the Thunder, um, Miles Turner Again, he can hit mid range shots really well. He's not quite at the stage. He's not like a volume shooter from three. So I think those two, that might be a little bit awkward. Um, Turner Turner can be a good rim protector, but neither of them are, you know, plus or, or, or elite defenders and things like that. So I think it's just a little bit weird. Um, so may, And that's why Thaddeus Young is so viable there because, you know, he, he can play with both of them. Um, they can kind of switch around and, and, and change things up depending on what lineups they're going up against. Um, but again, you know, maybe if you can switch um, Paul George into that role. You know, you got that all up the same kind of things. I just don't know. Um, I, I think if, for them to start together, you'd have to have three north-down shooters in the backcourt, um, which puts a lot of pressure on them. So it, it's definitely quirky.
1: Yeah. And I hope they do it because I want to see it. And I think when you have young guys like that and you invested so much in those two guys, uh, you traded Paul George for him. I think you have to just let it play out and see what happens and see how it works. And if it bombs and it just is immediately clear that these two cannot coexist. And if they don't have Bojan and they don't have a couple of knockdown shooters, like you said, to surround them and kind of uh, give them enough shooting to survive. Then you move on. You're just like you pick one, and I would pick Turner. But at the same time, um, maybe it's just because I'm biased against uh bigs who have T Rex arms. That might be the case. But uh, that is something that I can't get over. It's a weird thing. It's a bad sign when a, um, a big has the the tiny arms but the big body. Shout out to Jahlil Okafor. But um, not my cup of tea. So. Last thing on the Pacers, and then we'll uh, close with Paul George. So I mentioned earlier they have, they could potentially have eighteen million in cap room if Thad declines his deal, and then if they buy out um the last year of Al Jefferson's contract, then they'll get upwards of twenty million dollars in cap space for this year. And either way, they can absorb another wing, and I think they're not going to get a high price free agent like that's not happening. Indiana is not signing an, an all star in that capacity but what they could do which i think it would be the smart play would be if you can't get paul george he's the only realistic all-star that they could bring in at this point but if you can't get him i think someone like Bazemore on the perimeter he's obviously not going to be in atlanta for the long term he's got a it's a it's a high price deal but it's not crazy for someone like Bazemore, and he's really valuable on a good team and he's just someone who really stands out in an offensively deficient team. And the Pacers, I think, would play well with him. And I think Bazemore would be a good guy to pair with uh, Victor Oladipo and Turner and guys like that. And it would help their defense. Um, Aaron Gordon, they could throw money at him and see what happens there. I think Miles, when you talk about funky front courts, like Miles Turner and Aaron Gordon, would be pretty fascinating and I think that's something to try Danny Green I mentioned I I really do feel like that's who they're going to end up with this summer um, I don't think he's back in San Antonio and I think Danny Green and Victor Oladipo actually um, offset each other pretty well like Danny Green does not need the ball in his hands three and D guy good knockdown shooter like he'll just I, I think that's something that I would do with uh, Victor Oladipo they played him a lot with Corey Joseph and that worked because Corey Joseph could play off the ball he could shoot and he worked really hard. Those are all things Danny Green does, and he's just bigger. Um, and then you can get really funky, which is like, do you call Portland? And you're like, Ooh. what would it take for us to get McCollum? Ooh. Like, would you want Sabonis? Would you want Turner? Like, would you want that plus like a bunch of pieces? Like, I I would be intrigued. I would call someone like Portland for CJ McCollum, and then you go Victor Oladipo and CJ McCollum. Like, that would just be, whew. posing backcourts would not love dealing with that every game. And then maybe my craziest suggestion do you call minnesota and say hey i heard this wiggins towns jimmy butler thing's not working out that well and that this is not a trio that uh is going to pan out like the heat and uh the early thunder teams and the warriors and all that kind of stuff like would what would it take to get andrew wiggins i don't think his value is very high right now i bet you a lot of teams would not take on that contract Yes, you're think Indiana, Cuz you can't is do
0: crazy. it.
1: It is, but if you're Indiana, and you can't get Paul George, and you can't get another all-star to sign with you, and you're just rolling out Victor Oladipo by himself for the next couple of years, and just banking on Miles Turner making another jump, I, I don't know. Why not just take a flyer on the former number one overall pick, who, a lot of empty calories to his game, but do you bet on your system? Do you bet on your infrastructure? Because people are pretty down at Victor Oladipo, When they brought him in last offseason, people were down. Former number two overall pick from the Orlando Magic. He's been tossed around a couple times, and now he's a superstar. What if they did the same thing with Wiggins? Go somewhere else, less pressure, less eyeballs on you, has another star league guard to play next to. Take the pressure off of him. What do you think? First
0: of all, I just want to point out how Insane it is that we are talking about the Pacers like this after they were projected to win 30.5 games this season. Um, yep. Like it's just so easy to forget this team after they after they pulled off this trade. Everyone was like, "Man, they hitting the reset button. They are tanking." And 12 months later, we're talking about them being, you know, after having a, an incredible first round series against the Cavs and potentially being a team that could make some noise in the playoffs um, and being actually an attractive destination for like top level scorers and talents in the NBA like it's just a crazy turnaround um I don't know how I feel about weigh I just like I I get it like he 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 does have so much he has so much talent he has so much potential He is so young I just think that 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 contract is just it's just bad um and I I don't know I I, like I wonder if it's just better for a team like the Pacers to kind of keep this group together um, you take care of milestone in the next year or, or whenever he's up for an extension. Um, you kind of keep that together. You do what you can through the draft. Um, and you just kind of build an infrastructure that would be enticing for a free agent. Um, because I think we're we're kind of at a stage in the NBA now where it's like big-name big, big name free agents don't necessarily need to go to big markets. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you can look like T.J. McCollum. I, like, I love T.J. McCollum. Like, I could see a, a guy like T.J. McCollum in a couple of years um, I can't remember when he's a free agent, but you know, in one of those situations where like Victor Oladipo Depot's in his prime, they have mo- enough money to send one next contract and they're like, yeah, I can go to this team um, and the addition of me is going to put them to the next level. Like I can see that happening with this team. Um, so I think maybe for them based on, again, where they were at this point last year um, and how good they were this season and how young they are, they have one of the youngest rosters in the NBA. I think their, their average age is like 25.5, um, which is the same as like the Celtics and the magic and things like that. Um, and so I think
1: Al Jefferson and, uh, exactly Dad declines his option. It's like 19.2.
0: Exactly. So I think I, I it's, it's really tough, man, because like, again, teams are, are up against it. Like you go from being a team that everyone thinks is going to tank to being like a Cinderella story. Um, and then suddenly there's so much more expectations. And if they don't build on that next season, then it's seen as a disappointment, even though they're still far ahead of where they were projected to be. Um, and then there's pressure to sign people. Like it, it, it is really tough. Um, and kind of just stick to the course and kind of has, like, steady growth. Um, but I, I just lean, in these situations, I kind of lean more towards sticking with what you have with a team like this um, and just keeping your options open so you can kind of nail it when the right thing does come along, if that makes sense. It does.
1: Can I give you my Paul George favorite sneaky destination for you now?
0: Yes, please. I think it's Utah. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think they're. I think they're a great destination for LeBron as well. Um, not I, I don't. Okay. I, don't okay. <laughs> I don't think he's gonna go there. But seriously, like they, they are a perfect destination. Again, I mean, Paul George. I'm not considering Durant in this discussion because he's gonna sign mm-hmm. with the Warriors. Um, mm-hmm. Paul George and LeBron are the two best free agents on market this off season um, when they both decline their, their their options, which I'm like 99% sure they're gonna do. Um, and I think both of them would fit in. I, I love LeBron and Utah. I, don't, I mean, I, I think that's awesome too. I, I love Paul George there as well. I think it would be with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Joe Ingles is on a great contract. They got J, Jay Crowder on a good contract. Um, I think that's a really, a really interesting situation for both of them. That's
1: a really high upside team. You have the right it mixture is. of young stars and Gobert and Mitchell. You have the veteran to just, you know, they're just going to be, plus guys like joe ingles and ricky rubio are just they're plus players where you look at the plus minus every night and you're like okay yeah you're not sure how this all works (laughs) i mean ingles is also like one of the best three-point shooters in the nba so that's pretty clear but um rubio is really good for them this year and he was kind of a forgotten piece that they added this offseason and i mean i was definitely one of the people who was kind of concerned about the spacing of this team and how much they would score with rubio gobert and favors playing together and stuff but um he was also included because apparently like he and Hayward wanted to play together or something. And then Hayward obviously left. But yeah. um if you could replace Hayward with Paul George and you ran a starting five, a closing five really of just um Mitchell, Rubio, George, um Ingalls and Gobert, man, like that is a that is a high fifty win team. Um, in the West, I, it still doesn't beat the Warriors, but we can't look through. We can't look at yeah. everything through whether or not you can beat the Warriors because no one's going to beat them if they're healthy. It's not going to happen. But this is like I think that would immediate... like. Would you take that group over the Rockets this year? I probably would.
0: Oh, we're running back the exact same team. Like Clint Capella's staying. Yeah. On the, on the, I, I'm yes. staying with. I'm sticking with the Rockets in that situation. Okay. Um, but don't like don't get me wrong. Like that's it's close. I I think that team. I mean, Snyder is a great coach. He has a great system in place on he both really ends is, of the yeah. call. Um, I, I think they're legit. I think regardless of whether or not they can sign, like, Paul George this offseason or something like that, like, the, Utah, the Jazz are going to be a team to be reckoned with next season. Um, you know, they proved that if Donovan Mitchell takes the next step, he looks like he's, like, a star in the making. Rudy Gobert is awesome. Like, they, they have a lot to be um, encouraged by, and um, I, I, I'm, I'm really high on them. I, I really like the Jazz.
1: I'm probably not going to get over for at least two seasons. How much, how much Russell Westbrook just clouded people's opinion on Paul George, where I think he's now underrated simply by playing next to Russell Westbrook for a season because he was a spot up shooter for them. He wasn't running things. He wasn't their closer. Like he was in Indiana for years. I mean, he was still playoff Pete, but um, it felt like he was a second fiddle next to Westbrook. And we've seen when he's the number one guy. I mean, you can't win a title, but he also went to the Eastern Conference finals as the number one guy on several occasions. He shows that he's just someone who plays really well in the playoffs. Like he's a great player. He shot 40% from three last year. He had a really quiet 21 and five and three line. He's still only 28 years old. He had the best overrating of his career in OKC last year. Like I think it was just all his role was diminished and his usage rate was slightly down and, um, I think if you put him on somewhere else, like it's just kind of frustrating to me that he is someone that's just now being thrown in as like, oh, he could join LeBron. He's going to be like the second fiddle from here on out just because he played one season with Westbrook. But I think he's still, he would be an overqualified number two option. I think he still should be on a team where he's not Kawhi, but he is someone like, (sighs) he's in the ballpark. And I think he is still someone who should have his own team. And I think if he went to somewhere like Utah, Donovan Mitchell's so young that Paul George, I don't think, would feel like he was the second fiddle to Mitchell. I think they would play off each other a lot better. And I think uh they would both be seen as stars. And um, I don't know, doesn't he like to fish? And he seems like a pretty laid-back guy. So he, does. he uh he's cool with the Utah um the the culture and the feel and just the laid backness. And you know, their fans are awesome and it would be a cool story to get Paul George in Utah. But I just I think now um we've all um, not me, because I'm still Paul George is a top ten player, um in my assessment of him and just looking at the the Lamp, but he's someone I would want. He's a rare type of player. But uh yeah. Are we is that fair for me to just um say that Paul George is now underrated or is that going too far?
0: No, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think the way I stand on it is that like I don't think he I don't think if he's the number one option, I don't think he can win an NBA title. Okay. And he might yeah, be overqualified. He might be overqualified to be a number two. But I think if he is your number two, you you you're in a position to be it, to win an NBA title. Like I think um, going back to like LeBron and Paul George pairing because that's what everyone's basically talking about right now. Um, I think they'd be perfect together. I think they'd be absolutely awesome together um, because LeBron can obviously carry an offense by himself completely, and that's not necessarily what Paul, Paul George is great at. Um, I think he's great as you know he's one of the best outside shooters in the NBA. He's a fantastic two-way player. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Um, and he's a very good secondary playmaker. But I don't think he's the kind of guy... And when you look at those Pacers teams that they built um, that went to the single Finals and things like that, he was the number one option, but they were, very, they, were they were quite a, like a unique... Well, they're more like an old-school team. Um, when you have like Lance Stevenson, um, David West was capable of making plays. He's like a playmaking fool, um and, and things like that. So... I think Paul George is awesome. Um, he's a fantastic player. He's going to get a max contract with offseason, no doubt. Um, but I, I think he, I, I just think he might be slightly better suited as, as a, as I said, like a, like a one B. It doesn't even have to be a two. Um, but if, if he's your one B, I think that's, that's a pretty awesome one, two punch.
1: We just gave our hopeful destinations for Paul George, our personal preferences. Where do you think playoff P ultimately winds up?
0: I mean, it's, all the signs are pointing to LA. If 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 he leaves okay. OK if he leaves OKC, um it just seems like all the signs are pointing to LA, him going home. He's told so much about him wanting to play how awesome it'd be to play in his hometown. Um they just have so much cap space. Even if they don't use it all now, they'll be able to play another big big free agent um somewhere down the line. And even then like they have a fun young call. Like I mean just, just Paul George, Brendan Ingram um, and Lonzo Ball, like defensively, well, that on. that could be filthy. Um, Brandon yeah, so, Ingram
1: is not on this roster next year if uh, Paul George goes to L.A. because that probably means that LeBron goes to L.A. That
0: oh that yeah, a package deal. Oh and yeah. then he's gone. Oh for sure. <laughs> I, I think it, you know if, if Paul George. Um, I actually wrote this in one of my pieces this week. It's like if, if Paul George and all LeBron go to L.A., we have no way of knowing what this roster going to look like because the only guy who is making eight figures next season is Lou Alden. Everyone else mm-hmm. is on rookie contracts, very movable contracts. Um, and, you know, they, they've well, I think got...
1: Zoe is a definite. Like, I would say if I'm Kyle Kuzma and Ingram, I'm very, very concerned. But Lonzo just feels like um, one, I am 100% here for the Lakers trading Lonzo ball after one year and the <laughs> lob, ball reaction. I am all the way here for that. But that doesn't seem likely to me. And it seems like LeBron would like playing with someone like him, where he can take um, a backseat to some playmaking and let other smart basketball players, because he did say he wants to play with smart basketball players at this point in his career. And I think Lonzo Ball, even if he did struggle shooting, it was clear in year one that he just reads the NBA game really well. And at the very least, he's going to be a smart, um, efficient player.
0: Okay, so to build on that, I'm going to go back for a second to, to my, my idea of LeBron going to Utah. Okay. This is one of the reasons I like it. First of all, LeBron doesn't play doesn't want to play defense in the regular season anymore, which is fine. He turns it off in the in the postseason. Dude's been to like what well, A NBA finals. He 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 can unaddress in the regular season on defense. you put Rudy Gobert behind him, he can just run to his three point line and be like, okay, yeah, go ahead and score the rim. You're not going to. So that's bugs him. So the reason that I like it so much is basically LeBron would probably mold Donovan Mitchell into being a modern-day Dwayne Wade. And, like, I just – I love that idea of Donovan Mitchell. He has so much Dwayne Wade in his game, um, but he's far more comfortable shooting threes than Dwayne Wade. Um, And I just love the idea of, like, LeBron going to Utah and just molding Donovan Mitchell into an absolute stud, even though he's probably going to be an absolute stud regardless of whether or not LeBron goes there or someone else does. Um, But I just just love that idea of him being, like, a a Wade 2.0.
1: I would agree. All right, man. Well, I uh, I enjoyed this. I'm glad you're able to do it. And uh, Scott Rafferty, I really appreciate you taking the time.
0: Of course, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much, man.
1: All right. Well, we can find you on Crab Dribbles. We can read your Paul George piece this week that I believe was on NBA Canada.
0: It was. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's what I. Read. Okay. Because um, you write at a lot of places now. You're at NBA Canada you're still at sporting news and then obviously the step back moved a little bit so it's under the main fan side of the nba umbrella now but it's powering that site i believe it is the exact it is. usage of the work um but anyway read all of scott's great work um and uh scott let's talk into
0: thank you